0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, We Are Libertarians listeners. My name is Chris Spangle, and I am so glad to be joining you. Uh, this is the reboot of The Chris Spangle Show. I did it for a daily run last year and almost killed myself. This year, I'm going to do it on Saturdays. I'm putting this into your feed so you can hear that this exists, but uh, I'd appreciate it if you go over and subscribe to The Chris Spangle Show and check that out and listen uh, on that feed. Uh, It's a totally different, it's not totally different, it's me talking, uh, which is a lot of We Are Libertarians, but We Are Libertarians is an ensemble show, and the Chris Spangl show is just going to be me talking and monologuing. And so that's why I don't want to make it a second episode of We Are Libertarians. I want to make it its own thing because it is slightly different. And if I have learned one thing about podcast audiences is that they don't like you getting their peanut butter and their chocolate and they like to separate things out. And if you want all the shows, you can go get the network feed, which has all the weird libertarians network shows like gingerarchy, boss hog, Brian Nichols, the weird libertarians, libertarian politics and policy, libertarian debates, tad talk. If you ever did one, uh, all of that is over on that network feed, which you can get at weird libertarians.com. So, uh, please go subscribe to the Chris Bangle show feed. It, just search for it in any podcast, uh, place and you'll find it there. And, uh, that's, this is just your freebie. I'm just giving you a taste, but, uh, you'll have to go and subscribe to that feed to get the weekly show. So thanks listeners. I appreciate you. And thank you to our Patreon, uh, folks for making this possible. Listen to We Are Libertarians at wearelibertarians.com. My name is Chris Spengel and I host a show where we talk about the stories you and your friends are talking about and then we give you libertarian solutions so you sound smarter when you're talking to your friends. We're going to make you sound like a genius. Tune in now at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle, and you're listening to the show on the We Are Libertarians Network, which is brought to you by our patrons. So if you enjoy all the content that we put out, please join our Patreon. Now, it's been a while since I've, uh, really about a year since I've done one of these episodes, and this this feed has long been one of those feeds where I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this. And I have decided that I want to start doing this on Saturdays. I generally have nothing to do on Saturdays, so not a a lot to do. Uh, And I want to begin doing a weekend show, essentially, uh, that's fairly short. Kind of a clean up on what we talk about on We Are Libertarians, but also uh, to practice for hosting my own radio show. To be honest, there's a big difference between podcasting and radio. You wouldn't think that. If you host a talk show, it is uh, usually one person monologuing like I'm doing now, talking into a microphone. You've got time breaks. You've got all kinds of live production. And you know I've made no secret of that's my eventual goal. That's what I want to do. That's what I've been training for the last 20 years to do, reading news, working in politics, working in radio, and i've I've gotten an education that few people could pay for in in the jobs that I've had and the people that i've been mentored by uh, and so the only the only thing that uh, could prevent that is me and so that is why I'm going to be here on Saturdays doing this we will eventually roll out uh, a little more format a little more structure um, but i I didn't get that together this week and so I was like you know i I should just blow this off and go to the state fair and i said, no, you can't do that, because if you're going to say on the, sh- on the big show, you're going to make a promise, I'll be here Saturday, you're going to do this, then you better do it. If you're going to do it, and you've decided to do it, you ought to do it. And so that is why I am here. And, uh, the, you know, I uh, I love doing podcasting, I love doing radio, I love talking to you folks. It has been a truly incredible year for me. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, it was really kind of like, and I've talked about this on various shows, but it, it, it was a situation where I had for a long time been kind of the comedic lead of my own show and had a lot of smart people on and asked them smart and smart ass questions and talked to them about a lot of different things. And I, I didn't have... Um, I. I mean I, I've always read a lot I've always kind of studied what we were talking about or read books or paid attention in the news or listened to podcasts but you know I haven't put in the work like I've put in the last couple of years where I'm doing a lot of the prep I'm running the the research team that we have you know Sam Schultz our lead researcher, put together the show notes he's been amazing and helping me do some of this stuff uh, you know I pick all the topics and then he helps kind of support with an outline of what we're doing on We Are Libertarians and now the Chris Spangle Show. And and it's just been phenomenal to work with, you know, a dozen people really to put together what we do on We Are Libertarians. But at the core of it is me reading and keeping up on the news and trying to make sure that when I sit behind this microphone, I'm taking your time seriously. You're learning something. uh, You're learning the output of what I'm learning, really. And we're trying to make better arguments for liberty across the board. So now many of you may not know who I am, or you may have heard me on other podcasts. Um, and I co-host The pot, the Pat Down. Uh, I'm involved in, in a few different other projects. And some of you may have just searched my name and found this show. Well, let me explain who I am just a little bit. I am a libertarian. I live here in Indianapolis. Uh, libertarian is basically somebody who Tries to look to the private sector to solve societal problems. And it's fundamentally what your parents taught you growing up. Don't hurt people. Don't take other people's stuff. Don't lie to them. Don't, you know, don't defraud them, uh, in other words. And uh, my parents didn't really ever tell me not to defraud people, but uh, <laughs> don't be a fraud, though. It's not the 30s. I ain't listen to you. Don't be a fraud. Um, And so I have been working in the libertarian sphere and podcasting in the libertarian sphere since 2008. Uh, I've worked in talk radio since 2014 and, uh, you know, worked in the Republican Party before I worked in the libertarian party. I I come from the right. I am culturally more right and uh, a Christian. I am not a Republican, though. And it is always funny when you're sitting down with like an old Tea Party person and you're talking about how much you both love natural rights and the constitution and the founding of the United States government and then you go and that's why we shouldn't be intervening in other countries and this war it really we need to end these wars and police brutality is out of control and then their eyes just get as big as saucers or you're talking to a liberal and they think that you're just Sean Hannity and then you say the same thing and they they just they don't really know how to handle libertarians because we we are unique we we don't start with a set of issues. I think a lot of times people begin with the idea of if I agree with these issues that I'm in this camp and if I'm uh, more in these positions, like kind of like I side with dot com, if I agree with this politician, then I'm in this party and that may be true for how other parties approach it. But with libertarians, we don't do that. We start from some basic fundamental principles. And you know, for me, my basic foundational principles come from both my libertarianism and my Christianity. And that is that every, every human being is inherently um, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. You've heard that, that every single person is given rights by virtue of breathing and no government can take those rights. Rights are not up for a discussion and they are not up for a vote and removing those rights is a violation of said rights and the individual is the most important person on the planet you are alone responsible for yourself and you alone are responsible for taking care of yourself your family and by extension your community and i also look at every person as though they have dig- they have they deserve dignity respect and love and so i try to look at at people as human beings first and and I think that is, if you do that, then the rest kind of follows. You look at it and go, well, justice should exist. Equality should exist. Uh, the ability for people to exercise their own uh, self-government exists. Uh, so I really look at people as people first. I try not to demonize people or mischaracterize people or make a caricature of my political opponents I think that somebody like AOC or Donald Trump, all right, let's take AOC. AOC is somebody that I think uh, does want power. Donald Trump does want power. I think they genuinely believe what they say. I just think they have bad ideas. I don't think that they're bad people. I try to not impugn other people's motives from the start. I try to understand where other other people are coming from and kind of examine it from that. I, I don't... I have been around so long that I try not to give into the debates of the day. Like, we talk about the debates of the day, but in a different way. You know, for, for instance, I try not to just parrot what either side says about the other side or what the issues... Like, there are grains of truth. And so, for instance, in terms of protecting free speech, there is a lot of truth about what the right says about the left. Um, but I try not to just delve, dive into cliches and, and, and uh, just give you a litany of cliches. I think if I just did shows where I just repeated a ton of cliches, it probably would be, uh, I'd be more popular, I'd have more listeners, I'd be more uh, beloved in the libertarian community. But We Are Libertarians is, and all of our hosts and all of our magazines and websites and social media accounts and communities, they're all about trying to think differently and uh, respect one another and come from a place of dignity, love, and respect. So, all, you know, disrespecting and delegitimizing government. So, that is a little bit about what I believe and what you're going to get out of this show if you're, you're kind of tuning in for the first time. Uh, you know, previously I had done a run last August about uh, 20 minutes a day, and I was doing basically 10 hours of political talk a week uh, straight, you know, some talk show hosts will do 10 hours a week, but they have, you know, half of that is commercials and they get breaks. I didn't have that. And I was, I had no staff. I was just, I, I literally just worked myself ill last year because I was trying to do too much. Um, So I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to overwork myself. I, I, after that was like, you know what, let's start recruiting people to come in and do other shows and expand the amount of content and uh, let's put out a lot of content. But there's plenty of people willing to help. Sometimes you get into a position where you you need to ask people for help. And several people in We Are Libertarians basically said, "Like you don't need to do all of this yourself. If you have a big enough community that if you offer up opportunities, people will go, oh, I'd love to do that. Thank you. And that's what's happened. And it's just been truly amazing because I've made so many great new friends over the past year. And I think we put out a lot of great content, and so we're going to continue that spirit as we move forward. So um, there is a whole lineup of Libertarian podcasts that you can get at Uh This is the Chris Spangle Show. I also host We Are Libertarians. That's an ensemble show, and it will be me talking with uh, friends and other people, and it's based around conversation. This, though, is just a conversation with me and you. Uh, This is a place where I will just come and talk with you about what's going on in the news and and what we're doing uh, in the world and how we can try to respect each other, love one another. Uh, And I'm just doing this all live and I'm doing it alone and uh, I'm not going to be perfect at it and it will evolve over time. So please be patient, stick with me. I really do appreciate it. Uh, We are going to have commercials in this show And that is by virtue of me again trying to get that training. Uh, The commercials are promoting things that I love and promoting the other pieces of the network. Uh, So it's, it's, and we're going to try and make them funny for you. We're not going to try and make it boring. And they're not going to be very long, but uh, it's just going to give me a break. And so I can take a drink, maybe pee, check my Facebook, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, But. Uh, so yeah that is pretty much what we're doing and uh, that is the the game plan and after we come back from this break i'm going to talk about mass shootings the cause of mass shootings and signs that you can look out for so with that please stay tuned and we'll be right back are you
1: tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. LAVA stands for Libertarian, Anarcho-Capitalist, Voluntarist, and Agorist. And if you consider yourself to be in any of those categories, all of those categories, or just interested in learning about them, then the Lava Flow podcast is for you. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. The Lava Flow podcast, channeling the flow of information to the libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist, and agorist community. The The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast
2: is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life,
0: humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear we, we are supported by listeners like you. Donate per episode through Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. All right, welcome back to the Chris Spangle Show. Live mixing this, uh, so that is why that was horrible. So, <laughs> first episode, we'll get we'll get the hang of it. I uh, just, I'm not a patient person, so I'm like, hit the button is almost a, uh, so. I, I'm jumpy, uh, but 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 I'll get better. I promise. So I want to talk about uh, the signs of a person who may be in danger, and uh, what what do mass shooters have in common? And I, I have been on a couple different shows talking about gun violence this week, as well as my own, and I've basically said, listen, there is a fundamental underlying cause. Instead of uh, going down this divisive road of trying to strip people of their gun rights, why don't we talk about why people turn to mass violence? Why do they shoot people? Why? Do, why does this happen? Why do people join ISIS? Why, you know, why does white supremacist terrorism, as we saw in El Paso, happen, or you know, just deranged, sensualist violence in Dayton happen? And let's take a look at those issues and then start working our way back and see if we can prevent some of these tragedies by actually coming together to solve some of these problems. But that requires us to understand some of the signs. And I felt that it would be helpful for us to have a discussion about that today and to talk about why exactly a mass shooting takes place and what is the psychology of a person that does that. And this is just the beginning of that conversation. I, I intend to do more shows around this topic and give you information. So I, I just think that the, the pro-gun argument usually falls flat because it just screams, "Give me, don't take my rights, don't take my rights. And I don't feel that that is a compelling argument to people who are okay with taking your rights. And so the goal always is to find the arguments that will persuade people to fix the problem that is taking place in society while also protecting people's rights, be it First Amendment rights, the right to privacy, your right to protect yourself, your right to free expression and free organization. Uh, free movement. Uh, how, how do we protect rights and solve problems at the same time? And I think that we are, as a movement, not doing a great job of that. Uh, and we, I, I want to be part of that solution. So that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Um, so th- th- Is there any research on mass shootings? That was the first question that we really asked ourselves and started looking into. And there is. There is some research on it. I'd love to see more and understand a little bit more about this. If you do know of it out there, please send it to editor at wearelibertarians.com. So the research shows that incidents like we saw in El Paso and Dayton typically happen in clusters, and they tend to be contagious. Uh, Now intense media coverage tends to drive the contagion. So that right there is the first step. But here's the problem. The media, which is typically you know your CNNs, your New York Times, your mainstream media, is so hellbent on stripping you of your gun rights that they're probably never going to enact one of the solutions, which is don't cover this at the level that they're covering it. You know, I think it's newsworthy, it's obviously a tragedy that needs to be covered, and people need to understand an important uh, problem in our society, but it is taken to a level where shooters are given fame, and that drives a lot of uh, further shootings. The Dayton shooter flat out said that part of why he did it was because of the El Paso shooter. The El Paso shooter was inspired by the Christchurch shooter, and the drive to to basically uh, i'm sorry you'll never convince me that the goal of the anti-gun crowd isn't confiscation uh, the the confiscation crowd is basically using these in a ghoulish way to try and strip people of their rights and that in an effort to do that they are actually creating part of the problem with the, with the media coverage so back in 2014 and 2015 researchers at Arizona State University analyzed data on causes on cases of mass violence. And the lead researcher, Sherry Towers, wanted to know whether causes of uh, mass violence, cases of mass violence, excuse me, spread contagiously like in a disease outbreak. Quote, what we found was that for the mass killings, these are high-profile mass killings where at least four people are killed, there were significant evidence, uh, evidences of contagion. We also found significant evidence of contagion in school shootings. Now, Jillian Peterson, a criminologist at Hamline University, found similar results in her research. Towers and her colleagues also found that what sets apart shootings that were contagious was the amount of media coverage they received. She also found that there is a window when a shooting is most likely to lead to more incidents, about two weeks. Uh, We'll put in the show notes the link so you can see the results for yourself. It's a form of social contagion, says Peterson, somewhat like a suicide contagion. That's when a high-profile suicide leads to more people taking their own lives. For example, following the suicide of actor Robin Williams, researchers documented a 10% spike in suicide in the months following his death. Vulnerable individuals who are already struggling with suicidal thoughts read or watch news reports of an actor's death, and then they took their own lives. Now, Peterson has interviewed living mass shooters in prison and people who knew such perpetrators and has found that these individuals often start out feeling suicidal. So this is another place where we can start uh, to make make some action take place. The majority of gun deaths in this country are already suicides. It's like three quarters of the gun deaths are suicides. And what drives a lot of these mass shooters, it is suicidal tendencies. So... Let's treat suicidal tendencies and suicidal thoughts, specifically in men who make up the biggest population, as the public health crisis it is and start trying to find solutions around keeping people alive and supporting people who have suicidal tendencies. I myself have struggled with this. I've talked about this. Uh, after Anthony Bourdain's death, if you go and listen to that episode, I talk a lot about my own struggle with suicidal thoughts and how I was able to walk out of that situation and find meaning. I am am living the happiest period of my life. I am extremely stable. I I don't think I will ever have suicidal thoughts again, barring I'm sure some horrible catastrophe like losing a, a spouse or child. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm thriving at this point in my life and I did a certain set of things to, to get out of that. A lot of it is just managing your anxiety and, uh, depression through exercise is the key thing. It's exercise and maintaining my spiritual life. Those two keys really are what have, have saved me, uh, my spiritual life and, and going to church, being part of a community prayer. That has been hugely instrumental in helping me, as has exercise. I've lost about 70 pounds, uh, just maintaining a good physical condition, eating good food, taking vitamins, tending to my physical being, and having healthy friendships, healthy support systems, going to therapy, uh, really finding meaning through community has been a huge part. I mean, in a lot of ways, we are libertarians is why I'm alive. It's because I found meaning through this community that I built and uh, they got me through my divorce and I'm alive because of it. So uh, really that that is key. It, it takes people intervening in the lives of other people and we have walled each other off from each other. Uh, well, I don't want to bother them, but a lot of times those people really do need to be bothered. They want to be bothered or when they're ready to be bothered, they they remember you intervening as you heard with Tanner and his uh, addiction issues on this week's We Are Libertarians episode. So it is important to watch out for your friends and family and watch for some of these warning signs. Um, but if you're interested in more of my story, then you can go back and listen to that episode of We Are Libertarians. Uh, I'll see if I can pull that up. Um now, their data reveals that eighty percent were actively suicidal prior to shooting. Peterson says in very rare cases, a tiny minority of people considering suicide go down in the path of violence towards others. So it's a small minority, but it is a violent minority. Now, she has come to think of mass shootings as a form of suicide uh they're angry horrible suicides that take a lot of people with them the shooter never intends to live there's never a getaway plan Uh, typically they tend to think of this as their kind of last moment and i think that really if you read kind of the follow-up stories in the days after these shootings you hear that trend now peterson says there is an element of wanting notoriety and death that you don't have in life so when one happens and it makes headlines and the names and pictures are everywhere and the whole world is ta- talking about it, that becomes something that other people see as a possibility for themselves. Now, she uh, Peter Langman, a clinical psychologist in Allentown, Pennsylvania, says about half of the school shooters I've studied died by suicide in their attack. It's often a mix of severe depression and anguish and desperation, driving them to end their own lives. So a mass shooting, he continues happens and then vulnerable individuals who are actively suicidal and in crisis and hear about the shooting see this as a kind of script they could readily follow so suicidal tendencies uh, are definitely a portion of it so uh, with that we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about the History of Mass Shootings, the National Institute of Justice, and the LA Times did a big study on mass shootings, and we're going to tell you a little bit about the trends that they found once we return from this break.
2: <laughs> classic wall right there. It's classic wall. Uh, I guess I'll start that over.
0: Classic wall. Uh, just did this great commercial, and I didn't hit record on it. That's I love when we go back to the greatest hits, Yeah, the,
2: yeah greatest hits. Well, this is the classic wall here. The best moment
0: happened is the greatest 20 minutes of comedy in the history of comedy happened on a show
2: and i didn't record it yep several shows like that actually this
0: this is long before the days of backups and fancy equipment and the Mm -hmm. reason that we have fancy equipment and we never screw up ever yeah is because of our patreon members exactly so thank you for supporting us if you are a patreon member if you're not five dollars a month you get the bonus content you get uh, the CD quality show, commercial free. You get it before anybody else. At $10 a month, you get an exclusive Facebook group. Uh, and then, and you can also get a notification to join the live streams. Uh, see, I, we never mess up. Uh, you can then chat with us during the show. Members of the Royal Court at $25 get a poster and free shipping in the New Year Libertarian store. You can also join the Emperor Circle at $100 a month, the ultimate way to support the show. You get uh, to sit in on pretty much everything. If you donate $100 a month, Harry, you basically own me. Yeah. yeah. Christy Christy Avery, The f- I, th- I don't know if she was the first, but I mean, she just tells people flat out, I own him when we go out to events. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't ever argue with Christy Avery. She's uh, not smart, so, too. No, she's always right. So this is the number one way to uh, help the show. So join now at WeAreLibertarians.com or Patreon.com slash WeAreLibertarians. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty,
2: the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community
0: and fun roundtable
2: discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture and liberty.
1: And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com.
2: Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? No further blast off with Johnny Rocket is a Seattle-based podcast expressing viewpoints of free markets, voluntary exchange, Badass music, wicked banner, and of course, drinking. The blast off doesn't shy from the truth, but always brings the party. Let's rock and roll, Raylene. Bring it on, Johnny. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blast off. Again, that's the launchpadmedia.com forward slash blast off. Launchpad Media. Always launching ideas in your direction. And now I'm crying over you.
0: We are supported by listeners like you. So visit wearelibertarians.com forward slash wish list to help upgrade our equipment. All right, well, I had a productive break uh, posting memes. Uh, You may have heard, some of you may have not, that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide last night in jail. And uh, not surprisingly, the Clintons are a trending hashtag on Twitter. And the memes are just fantastic, so uh, yeah, suicide, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, all right. Uh, All right, we are back, we are talking about mass shootings, we are talking about the causes of mass shootings, what are some similarities that mass shooters all have? My name is Chris Spangle. you're listening to The Chris Spangle Show, here on the We Are Libertarians Network, and we are funded by our patrons, so join our Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. While you're there, join all of our other communities and make friends. Don't isolate yourself, and if you do isolate yourself, at least isolate yourself with some cool people like our listeners. So uh, Now, we're back to the topic. We're talking about mass shootings, and uh, I want to talk about some research done by the Los Angeles Times. The LA Times has been studying the life histories of mass shooters in the U.S. in a project funded by the National Institute of Justice. And so they built a database going back to 1966 of every mass shooter, I believe in 1966, That was the first mass shooting that took place uh, in the United States at uh, at the University of Texas. A guy uh, climbed up the bell tower with a rifle and started killing people. Uh, That was uh, a watershed moment in terms of gun violence here in America. And they studied every mass shooter going back to 1966 who shot and killed four or more people in a public place and every shooting incident at schools, workplaces and places of worship since 1999. So this is a very comprehensive study. A lot of data and uh, can give us some really good insights. Now, the interview, they interviewed incarcerated perpetrators and their families, shooting survivors and first responders, as well as read media and social media, manifestos, suicide notes, trial transcriptions, and medical records, as well as just gathering uh, some of the basic data. Now, they revealed four commonalities among the perpetrators of nearly all mass shootings that they studied. The vast majority... Number one, the vast majority of shooters in their study experienced early childhood trauma and exposure to violence at a young age. The nature of their exposure included parental suicide, physical or sexual abuse, neglect, domestic violence, and or severe bullying. And the trauma was often a precursor to mental health concerns, including depression and anxiety. That is why, in my opinion, something like the Me Too movement is very beneficial to our society at large. It changes the conversation around domestic and sexual violence. It allows people to come out and tell their story. Um, Men, I have been amazed uh, every time I look at the data when we do a show about um, sexual violence and domestic violence, men are often molested and raped at the same rate, if not more than women. They just aren't open about it. They don't talk about it because there is not a culture in uh, in America or really anywhere in the world where talking about that vulnerable moment is considered masculine, and so that is a huge problem. There are men walking around with wounds of domestic and sexual violence and physical abuse and sexual abuse that they're not they're not talking about, and so that is a key component of solving this crisis. Is Uh, a building a culture where talking about those traumas are incredibly important and allowing men to appear, quote unquote, weak and making them feel comfortable in telling their stories. So that helps other victims who aren't willing to come forward and tell their stories. Uh, And I think that's just an incredible, important piece of solving all of this. And really, when you look at how women have begun to thrive and they They are leading in terms of college graduation and home ownership. And women are really uh, kicking butt at the moment. And that is because there has been a concerted effort over the last 20, 30, 40 years to create a culture of empowering women. And we need to do the same thing for men. It doesn't detract from empowering women if we also empower men and encourage them to live emotionally healthy, physically, mentally, spiritually healthy lives. It doesn't It it doesn't diminish the feminist movement uh, by encouraging men to do the same. And I think that we we all need to be very careful about how we talk about masculinity, how we talk about men, and how we talk about uh, a a lot of different aspects from all angles, and not signaling to men that it is not okay for them to talk about their past traumas. It's just incredibly important. If you're listening to me, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, if you're a victim of childhood trauma... Of any sort, if you're a victim of parental suicide, physical or sexual abuse, neglect, domestic violence, severe bullying, these wounds can be fixed. Just as I went through it, as I went through four years of therapy, I continue to go. Uh, you can live a healthy, happy lifestyle. You can live in a way that isn't a prison and that pain can be relieved through the gift of talk therapy and just opening up about your past traumas and your past wounds. So I highly encourage you to take that step. It is not a weakness to be emotionally healthy and to continue to live a a healthy life. It's really the strongest thing a man can do is take responsibility for his own life. And that begins with taking responsibility for his own brain, his own words, his own thoughts and actions. Now, the second point that this study found in... Uh, from the National Institute of Justice and the LA Times in their survey of mass shootings, practically every mass shooter studied had reached an identifiable crisis point in the weeks or months leading up to the shooting. They often had become angry or despondent because of a specific grievance. For work shooters, uh, a change in job status was frequently the trigger. For shooters in other contexts, relationship rejection or loss often played a role. Such crises were, in many cases, communicated to others through a marked change in behavior, an expression of suicidal thoughts or plans, or specific threats of violence. So one of the things that we need to do is create, um, uh, again, a culture in America of... uh, If somebody expresses to you that you were suicidal, do you know how to handle that? if somebody says that they are feeling violent tendencies towards someone or you can tell there has been a marked change in somebody's behavior, a deterioration, a spiraling, uh, in the case of, um, you know, being around victims of domestic violence, there's a very real pattern of spiraling in their violent spouses, ex-spouses. And how do we handle that? How do you handle that? Do you call the police? Do you hire a lawyer? Do you call a mental health professional? Like, Do you call your insurance? Do you go to a therapist? There's very little in ways of uh, intervening in that situation. We have thousands of violent deaths in domestic violence because there there are thousands of women who have no idea how to handle a violent ex because the system that we have created isn't set up for that because, like, and I get it. It's what is it? A pre-crime? A thought crime? You're going to arrest somebody for a thought crime? It's and I'm not talking about legal action. I'm talking about how do, how do we create a network of solutions or uh, you know privately funded interventions that that can really help uh, protect people? That that's what things like the Julian Center, the Women's Shelter here does. You know and I I read that the Dayton shooter I believe it was the Dayton shooter's mom had contacted police you know if you look at the Parkland shooter his mother had called the police several times the FBI had interacted with this kid and nothing was done about it there was there you know so for the people who are constantly talking about background checks and red flag laws it's like you know our system is failing in some of that and that's why I think the red flag laws come up I am not a fan of red flag laws I believe that the The propensity for abuse of this system is incredibly high. You have the governor of New York saying that he wants to create a national mental health database. And so somebody who has been open about their suicidal thoughts, but is perfectly stable and perfectly happy in life and perfectly responsible and a productive member of society, uh, but still takes SSRIs, antidepressants essentially, there's a likelihood that I would be included in that mental health database and denied uh, a weapon i have I have a fundamental right to protect myself and i'm a response I would be a responsible gun owner should I own one so uh, there's there's a ton of uh, potential for abuse, so I see the do good impulse in that, but it does concern me. When we're talking about stripping people's rights away, you know, the, the, the idea that we're going to close down entire websites or really close down an entire ideology in conservatism, that everybody, everybody must be progressive for there to be no violence in the world, haha, ha. uh, which is sort of what some people are inherently pushing um, by tying literally every conservative to white supremacy. It's bizarre. Um, all that does is just kind of feed that idea. Uh, oh, Amazon man's here! Uh, <laughs> sorry, that scared me. <laughs> um, the cats are freaking out now. That someone just knocked on the door to drop off a package, and m- m- every time that happens, Muffins just goes right into attack mode. So she is she's the little weakling of the two cats, and the strong one hides, and the weak one rises up to protect. It's so cute. Um, so now. Uh, so there really is no good system. If you see a family member or a friend spiraling in terms of drug use or violence, like what do you, what are you going to do? I don't really have a good answer for that. So I may may do a show on that and see if I can help give you some information. But I don't think we have a very good idea of how that ought to work. Uh, so number three in this um, uh, the, this study of mass shooters going back to '66 by the LA Times was uh, the the other trait that they had, the commonality that they all had. Most shooters had studied the actions of other shooters and sought validation for their motives. Now, in the age of 24-hour rolling news and social media, there are scripts to follow that promise notoriety and death. And societal fear and fascination with mass shootings partly drives the motivation to commit them. So it is the responsibility of journalists and media members and those who have a platform To think responsibly about how they're covering this. Are you using the old, it bleeds, it leads, or are you trying to inform people? Uh, You know, I'm trying to produce content here as I talk about this stuff that leads any of the young men listening to me towards a a, a place of healing and a place of nonviolence. Can we say the same about CNN and the media? They're creating divisiveness and conflict by pushing one agenda and one agenda only. And some are even now publishing articles that if you talk about mental health in terms of mass shootings, then it's the new thoughts and prayers and you're contributing to the problem. Just get rid of the guns. That's incredibly dangerous. That's just going to, as you're hearing through this episode, that's just going to create more problems. So number four the shooters all had the means to carry out their plans. Now, in 80% of school shootings, perpetrators got their weapons from family members. Workplace shooters tended to use handguns they legally owned, and other public shooters were more likely to acquire them legally. Uh, So that is a a call to those of you who do own guns to make sure that you are responsible about it, and that you are uh, taking care of your firearms, and that you're not allowing at-risk people to get anywhere near those weapons. Uh, if you are a gun owner, it is your duty to protect the lives of other people because of that firearm. It just is. Like, you take on that responsibility. That's it's, it's a right, but it's also a responsibility. And uh, the more gun owners that take this responsibility seriously, the less calls for legislation there will be. Um, You know, I've had an argument in our Facebook group with uh, a couple people who are mad that I said that uh, this kid who went into Walmart who was trying to film a pro-gun video like Caitlin Bennett of Liberty Hangout and InfoWars, you know, who walked around Kent State, of all places, with an AK-47 trying to be provocative and get attention for herself. Uh, So he walked into a Walmart days after a shooting at a Walmart with an AK-47 and his camera and body armor. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Like That's a cry for help. That's that's a seriously uh, dangerous thing to do. That's a scary thing to do. That's inciting panic in people. Uh, yes, he may ha- or may not have committed any crimes, but he's being irresponsible. And so uh, those of us who believe in gun rights need to police our own and say, that's not a responsible use. This isn't the, the power to kill. Is not for show, it is not for you to get attention uh, that 's an incredibly dangerous thing, and somebody 's going to get hurt like this is This is not somebody that we need to support and rally around yes, you shouldn 't be charged with terrorism charges, but you do have a responsibility individualism requires reason, and there 's nothing reasonable about what that person did so all right, we are going to take a short break, and then we will finish up on this topic. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Harry, what are you doing? Playing Deep Space Waifu.
0: <laughs> is this an actual game?
2: Sure is. I'm going to put it on one-hand mode. <laughs> okay, don't do that in the middle of the studio. What? How? Nice. So what are you,
0: trying to get yourself a waifu?
2: Yeah, yeah Well, you defend your waifu And you try to undress you with the with the gun It's really cool Alright, well I have no idea how to turn this into an ad for our Patreon But I'm going to <laughs> How how do waifus and Patreon go together, Harry? Well, you know If you like your waifu and you want to support it You should also support We Are Libertarians Why? Because if you don't, you know you're, uh, you're, you're, Your waifu gets, you know Attacked by bombs and things like that And you <laughs> gotta be able to defend her Please support our waifus. All right, well,
0: with this madness going on in the background, let me tell you about our Patreon. We, let me tell you about our Patreon. Long ago, opinion journalism only existed in newspapers and magazines, but the internet has given rise to new voices like We Are Libertarians. And we are here every week, every day now, day in, day out, talking about current events and giving you arguments for your friends and family. And uh, we have a we have a big network. We have like twenty to forty people involved in We Are Libertarians, and all those people need equipment. They need software. They uh, we really need your support. And uh, if you want to support independent uh, media, then you you have to actually put your your wallet where your mouth is. Let me say that. So become a citizen, five dollars a month, and get our bonus content, CD quality and commercial free shows, and before anyone else at ten dollars. Nobility get to access the exclusive Facebook group and a notification to join the live stream and chat with us during the show. Members at the Royal Court get a $25 poster and a free, and they get free shipping in the new We Are Libertarian store. You can also join the Emperor's Circle at $100, and you get to sit in on our co-host strategy calls or our editorial meetings, and you get private access to Dear Leader and a guest spot on the show. And we mention your show every single week so this is the number one way to help the show so join now at we are libertarians.com or patreon.com slash we are libertarians harry how many waifus did
2: you catch just one right now i'm defending her almost at the boss level five stars right now
0: the foundation of what we do is conversation join in on our social media find all of the links at we are libertarians.com all right everybody we are back here on uh the chris spangle show i almost said we are libertarians but you're on the we're on the we are libertarians network i am chris spangle and uh, you're listening uh, it, it live. It's it's all mixed live. Where it's a brand new experience here for you listeners and for your host. Uh, we'll be here every Saturday talking to you. Uh, so if you found this uh, informational, then please tell your friends. Help us grow the network. Help us grow the shows. And you can find all about We Are Libertarians out at We Are Libertarians com. Uh, all right. So we are talking about an article uh, by the L A Times. It's really a study found. Uh, excuse me mush mouth uh the national institute for justice did a survey of every mass shooter since 1966 and they had found some uh some various trends and like i like we said it was childhood trauma it was uh an identifiable crisis point it was studying other shooters and their motives and they all had the means to carry out their plans. And so if we want to stop mass killings, and we're only looking at guns, we're only looking at number four, and there still is number one through three in terms of solving the crisis. And if you solve, if you help intervene early in one and two, then you can eliminate the need to even act on three and four. So it's just incredibly important that we start changing our discussion about things that will actually work and that everybody will participate in that will benefit anybody. If if somebody is suicidal, if somebody has childhood trauma or adulthood trauma, and we build a culture where we're intervening in people who are at crisis points, they may not be killers. You know, it's not just about stopping mass killings. It's improving the life of of all Americans, of all human beings, really. Uh, So I really think that we need to put our money and effort towards helping people heal from uh, suicidal tendencies, childhood trauma, uh, depression. It's really the root of why the life expectancy in America has gone down for the first time in the last two of the last three years. Uh, It's because deaths by despair, drug deaths, uh, suicides, Mass killings like this—it's—it's it's why that is increasing. Uh, and so, if we can solve the root of the issue, then we can solve the issue in itself without taking anyone's rights. So, criminologists Jillian Peterson and James densley found patterns emerge amongst school shooters. Now, all of the K twelve school shooters or would be school shooters since nineteen sixty six were male between the ages of twelve and seventeen. The majority were white, and nearly all ninety one percent were students or former students of the targeted school. Now, all mass shooters since 1966 had a large number of risk factors for violence. 45% had witnessed or experienced childhood drama, 77% had mental health concerns as evidenced in a prior diagnosis, previous counseling or hospitalization or medication use. 75% had an interest in past shootings as evidenced in their writing, social media posts or other activities. 87% showed a signs of a crisis as exhibited in their behavior before the shooting. 78% revealed their plans ahead of time, often on social media. 80% of mass school shooters were suicidal. 52% of mass school shooters killed themselves. 15% were killed by police and 30% were apprehended. The remaining 3% are unknown. Uh, now, Michael Stone, Dr. Michael Stone, a forensic psychiatrist who maintains data on some 350 murderers going back more than a century, says about one in five mass murderers show evidence of psychosis. One in five. The other 80% have many of the problems that nearly everyone has to manage at some point in life. This is something every one of us deals with at some point in life. Anger, isolation, depressive moods, resentments, and jealousy. Uh, He says scientists find that only a small fraction of people with persistent mental distress are more likely than average to commit violent acts. Patients with paranoid schizophrenia, which is characterized by delusion, by delusional thinking and often so-called command hallucinations, frightening voices, identifying threats where none exist. Uh, People living in this kind of misery are far more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators, but they can act violently themselves, especially when using drugs or alcohol. So hopefully this gives you a better understanding uh, of what's happening. The scary part, I think, for most people is that there is um, there's no easy solution. And the solution to solving these problems requires work from all of us. And those of us who are, as I've always said, the idea that uh, I am trying to legislate what is going on in a person's life in California is ridiculous. Uh, The idea that I'm trying to manage the life of somebody in Syria is ridiculous, the reality is that each of us individually can only really manage our communities in terms of our prehistoric brains. And so the hundred people in our sphere, the friends and family that are in our sphere, our co-workers, that that's our reality. And these mass shootings are only going to be lessened. I can't say eliminated because I don't feel that there is a way to eliminate them completely. Mass killing will always take place. It has always take place, taken place. And, um, takes place at a, at a mass scale in the name of governments. Um, but mass killings will never be totally eradicated. And they are clearly understandable, preventable. If we do a, f- a few of these things, if we actually get this information that I've just shared with you out to the public, we stop arguing over one of the solutions, you know, in terms of limiting access to people that have firearms, that that that's like the least effective of the four tendencies, the commonalities that these that these folks have. And if we can build a culture of intervention for our friends and family and coworkers that we can see are in trouble, and in, and I'm not calling for government solutions, I'm calling for private solutions and people to put their minds and brains together to figure out how we can solve some of these interventions... That's going to eliminate so many problems. That's going to eliminate abusive relationships. That's going to eliminate drug. talk Liberty Whoa. Podcast. Um, I was p- counting off on fingers and scared myself. Uh, if we can, if we can just eliminate a lot of these problems, then a lot of lives will get better. Domestic violence lessons, drug use lessons, the um, deaths and mass shootings lessons. It, you know, gang violence will hopefully lessen. And although the drug war plays a a, hard, a big part in that, um, terrorism at, at large will lessen. Violence across the board will lessen. And so it's up to each and every one of us to take this information and decide how we're going to do that and how we are going to um, help each other live better lives and help protect uh, each other from uh, either hurting themselves or hurting others. So Uh, With that, I thank you for listening to the Chris Spangle show this week. I appreciate you listening to all of the We Are Libertarians shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com. My name is Chris Spangle, and I appreciate you being here. Please share this. Share this with your friends and say, hey, this is a look at gun violence, that uh, this is the trends that we all have in mass shootings, and uh, let's start here. So if you if you got something out of this, if you learned something, then please share it with your friends. And please tune in next week for the Chris Spangle show. I'm Chris Spangle, and with that I say have a good day.